Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the big difference between winning and losing! Welcome into another episode of 11 Personnel. I am Nick Roush with Adam Luckett, and I feel like my voice is booming louder than normal because there's a little bit of an echo, echo, echo here at the KS office where it's a busy week for the Kentucky football program. Today, the Wildcats reported to campus for the 2021 season, and a lot's happening like it I mean, that's that's just the, the basics of the team. Yesterday, we were hanging out at the Krogue, back in action for the first of two Sunday showcase camps, and excited to talk about what we, what we saw. Like it, yeah, it was it was just cool, man. Just to uh, get out and watch some football, just to be in the stadium, I think was cool. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think we're gonna have any earth shattering. Like, I don't think we saw the next Bo Jackson out there working out. Uh, it wasn't the kind of uh, – it wasn't like you got Drew Phillips and Jordan Watkins and Josh Minkins battling out there, you know, who's going to get an offer? It, it was a little bit different, but nevertheless, it was good to have everybody back under the same roof. As, uh, you can see the kind of recruiting momentum starting to build over the month yeah, of June. Yeah, it wasn't – the field just wasn't – it wasn't stacked with um, prospects we're going to really talk about, I think, signing with Kentucky, I guess would be the best way to put it. But I, I, I have to wonder if it's kind of hard with this just free-for-all. Mm-hmm. And everybody, like Florida State's having thousands of kids on campus. Like Norvell's having, they're calling them mega camps. Um, so they're like, they're just having all kinds of people on campus. Um, some of the top dogs are going to, you know, Ohio State, Clemson, those those places. I just wonder if it's harder to get kids on campus here. I think next weekend, the 13th, Yeah, um, they have a specialist camp and then they have the showcase camp again. I'm assuming that's going to have some more bigger names there. Right, right, right. And the only uh, – Alex Afari was the only committed guy who took an official this weekend. You've got some more unofficial visitors coming in as well as mm-hmm. some uh, official visits uh, throughout and the And I week. wonder – right. I wonder if maybe if they're – maybe – like you can do the officials now – or you can do them during the season. Mm-hmm. They have a big home schedule this year. Yeah. Maybe they want to save some of those officials. Like if you're for, like, I just use Florida state as an example. You don't want the officials coming the season. You want them <laughs> now. Like, you know what I'm saying? You want right. to get these guys or Vandy and Clark Lee. You want to get as many official visits right now as you can. Whereas Kentucky, they're going to have really three huge home games. When you look at Florida, LSU and Tennessee is always a big game. Mm-hmm. Hell, and even Missouri, first time out in a while. Right. That could, that could right. be a exactly. decent recruiting weekend. So mm-hmm. I do think there's certainly something to it. Uh, just talking with some folks over there who kind of organize the and try to set up these visits, it's really like I, I know that the camp yesterday, it was staggered to where kids at, camped at L in the morning and then drove to Lexington to camp at UK in the afternoon. So trying to maneuver all these guys around, I, I certainly think that is going to be something they're dealing with. Yeah, there's yeah logistics are heavily involved. And I, sure. like you said, too, I don't think they're just trying to stack as much up. But, you know, this isn't. Yeah, I mean, they got 10 guys committed in their class right now. Yeah, it, this isn't the old, uh, you know, you're just trying to get as many people there as possible to put on a good show. But that, I don't think you need to do that quite like you used to. But you're right, though. Like, it, it, it's it's kind of wild how to, to see this all come together because it's been so long since anybody's been on campus. So for the guys at the top, it's kind of an arms war between your, you know, your Ohio States and Georgias and Clemsons. Right. <laughs> trying to get kids in. So a little bit different, but we still have some players we need to talk about that were there. Uh, the, the the quarterbacks, they're younger, but you still had some some talented kids out there. And I know you really liked uh, the play from Casey Wiseman, 
the sophomore or rising sophomore or no is he rising he's rising junior be junior 2023 state of quarterback correct yeah um this is a kid nick he visited georgia on tuesday visited louisville on friday visited or on saturday visited kentucky yesterday he's at auburn right now um he's going to virginia tech later this week and then next week he's going to penn state so he's, you know, he's going on a bunch of visits. He plays at Douglasville, Georgia, South Pauline High School, which is in the suburbs of Atlanta. So we talked about how that might be a more a, a recruiting area for Kentucky. Um, he started for his team last year, only played five games, was hurt. Um, but when you watch the tape, like there's a lot of downfield throws that he's completing. Um, and he's got some slipperiness in the pocket, can move a little bit. He's slim. He needs to put on some weight. Mm-hmm. But in, in the camp, he hit a couple deep posts. Man, the – the, he he did have the play of the camp, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Where, uh, so so Liam Cohen, and that that, that I think is probably going to be end up by being that's probably going to end up being my biggest takeaway is just seeing guys and seeing how some of these new coaches operate. Cohen, when his guys are back there throwing, he's talking to them the entire time. Oh, get back, rip it. Well, let it go, let right. it fly. I mean, it, it's just it's constant. I mean, it's almost like a dime that you kind of drone out because. There is constant here. Hit him. Hit him in the hands. Go up and make a play. Like it, he's he's a golfer who's trying to get his ball to right, come back, come back. You know, it, that's kind of what it reminds me of. And in the case for Wiseman, he had a throw where it was a double move, and right out of the second one, Cohen was one. He said something like "rip it." He wanted to hit him in the seam, and instead, Wiseman waited a little bit and put some air under it and dropped it in the bucket. The kid put one foot a yard away from the back of the end zone, caught it. It was a beautiful play, and Cohen absolutely lost his mind. So there's definitely some throws there to be had. He's also at an age two where, you know, you got to recruit these guys young. So uh, if nothing else, that's a nice little like, okay, well, this is a guy that we can keep in contact with in the future and kind of see where this things go this thing goes, but uh, it, it was fun to see stuff like that happen just because we haven't, I, I've only seen Liam Cohen behind a zoom call or in some mic'd up feature, you know? So, and that's, that's not a full picture of, of how these guys operate on the field. And the, yeah, there was another 2023 quarterback that they thought that they're trying to get on campus. They thought he might come um, this weekend. Reese Mooney's from Louisiana. Mooney. He ended up just going to Vanderbilt instead. He went Louisville to Vanderbilt. Um, so I, I think they were probably a little disappointed in that, that he didn't show up. But um, with Wiseman, uh, you can see some of it. A lot of it's small sample size. He's only got an offer from EKU, but these camps he's going to are are, um, are, are some big deal. And then he's got a teammate, an offensive tackle, who just got offered by Georgia when he camped there this week. Uh, so could be so the it, old Jedrick Wills, Walker Wood, Daily Double. Right, <laughs> right, right. So he's just going to be someone to monitor, I think, um, throughout the process. We'll see how – Cohen goes about who he's got targeting wise. Mm-hmm. It's quarterbacks. There's a couple more. Um, there's a quarterback from Alabama. I think his name's Christian Vecina. I had to look that up. Vizzini or something. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, I think they're trying hard to get him on camp campus for a camp. Hopefully that happens next week. And there's a, maybe another, a name or two that'll pop up as well. Um, to keep yeah, an eye you on. Had, the, the one kid from Mississippi was pretty good. John white, but he, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's just going to be a sophomore before. Right. He's had some big schools look at him, and he had the – I mean, dude, that that kid looked like a quarterback. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's what the first – when I saw him, at. I was like, yeah, he he looks like he's gonna, he'd be a pretty good player. Right. Yeah, and it, and it's and a lot of it's just the look test. Um, mm-hmm. You had some guys there pass the look test. Like Gavin Chadwell, that kid is a yeah. mother-bleeping monster. Holy moly. If we look back God. at this camp in like three years, there's probably going to be two real players from that that mm-hmm. we talk about long-term. One's um, – One's Chadwell, and that's going to be like probably the most important one. Um, the other one's obviously uh, uh, Mr. Smith, who uh, Santavius. Santavius. Yes. Oh, great from Albany, name, Georgia. Yeah. Great name from Santavius Smith. I love to like. I got a couple of videos. Some were better than others, but of course, I'm going to put the one where he just like gets the dude on his heels and gives him one shove, and the offensive lineman takes a tumble. But that kid, he's built like a three tech. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he's got yeah. some nice juice and he's he's wide. Dude, he's gonna has, have plenty of options to go yeah, to college. Right now, so he's 2023, 20, gonna be a junior. Ohio State, LSU, Florida, Florida State, Notre Dame, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- that's a murderer's row already. So he's gonna have 
his pick of the litter eventually. But you know what? He's from that, uh, you know, that Anwar Stewart. That, that's his kind of area too, Albany, Georgia. South Georgia, Kentucky's done pretty well there recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, we got a question answered today by Mark Stoops. And it, it, it kind of touches on a lot of things that we need to dive into a little bit more. But I wanted to just bring it up now because the Chris Collins hire became official uh, last Thursday. We were able to talk to him. We were able to hear him coach at the camp. Dude's got a lot of juice. But the whole time you're wondering, okay, this guy was at Georgia State. He was a recruiting coordinator, very young age, did well. But – you know, how, how does he fit into Kentucky's recruiting equation? Uh, you know, obviously, he's not going to come in and just make out like gangbusters in Michigan. So the the question is, all right, where are you, you going to go with this, Mark Stoops? And he, he addressed that at the John Sharman Alumni Golf Scramble at Keen Trace. And uh, I'll, I'll pull the direct quote because it was a um, – you know, this wasn't the Adam Luckett, uh, Ohio doesn't matter anymore. Uh, <laughs> I never said that, but uh, yeah, some took it that way. <laughs> it wasn't Ohio doesn't matter anymore. But the, the word they used was recalibrate. recalibrate. We're starting to make some niches in different areas ourselves and dive heavily into Tennessee and some other areas that were starting to gain some ground. We always kind of recalibrate and refocus on that. Clink did a great job in Michigan, had some ties. We have some other areas we think we can focus on. Doesn't mean we'll give up on Michigan, but we can kind of take our focus maybe from there and spend some more time somewhere else. So essentially it's, hey, Clink got this many four and five stars and multi-year starters from Michigan. Uh, it, let's just call it a dozen over five years. We got to go get those guys from elsewhere where our staff's more comfortable with. And I went back and looked at your recruiting spreadsheet, which, by the way, look at that thing. is just incredible. I mean, if y'all – it's the spreadsheet of all spreadsheets, and it's quicker, much quicker and efficient than some of the other places. But I, I went back and counted. So, UK still is going to recruit Kentucky and Ohio. But from 14 to 16, they had 28 players from Ohio. They've only got 12 in the last three. They've yeah. kind of shifted from – having all pushing all their chips in Ohio. Same thing that we talked about a lot with Grandin Henshaw in Florida. They went heavy on there in a couple of years, got 17 guys in two seasons, only four since. And, you know, a lot of those guys, I don't even think are still around. So this isn't anything new, but I think now we've got a clear picture of like, okay, now that Kentucky has actually had some success, I think Stoops has some confidence based on what Summerall and Stewart were kind of doing that, okay, we can actually maybe punch above our weight a little bit against some of these other big dogs in the SEC down in the deep south. Yeah, I think that's the last point you made is the thing. They feel like they have more confidence to go into Atlanta where there's a lot of people out with their teeth, a lot of people in there recruiting, uh, recruiting, you know, uh, top of the top of the line. Now, just in Atlanta alone, Nick, I looked it up. Um, they're top, they have 10 top 200 players in the class of 2022. So this is an area that just, you know, craps ta- football talent out of, <laughs> out of the wazoo. So there's a lot of good players there. It's not like, you know, the set, tier two and tier three in Atlanta is better than most of the Continentals, United States tier one. Um, so there, there's obviously high quality players to be found there. Um, and if you have the connections, that's probably an area you want to hit pretty hard. Um, and with Collins coming from Georgia State, Amar's making some noise there in in Atlanta. I just think they probably feel like, okay, we've got some some chips and some leverage here. Let's try, let's try to dig in and see what we can what we can do down there. Um, obviously, uh, Mi- Michigan. I think it was Michigan. It seems like it's similar to Ohio. Like in Nashville, I think you can go in and kind of build relationships and stuff. We saw Clink Scale kind of do that. Right. It was like Michigan, Ohio. It's a little different in that you know, maybe you have to be a guy from there or you have to know yeah. people well, like really big, well. It's, it's Big Ten country, too. So, right. I mean, yes, you can sell the SEC thing, but those kids grow up want to go to Michigan yeah. or Ohio State. Well, I mean, in the, Detroit, know. for the most part, it's four to five high schools that are producing the players. So, if you're in on one or two, then you – know, Right, right. Uh, if you if you got a relationship there, um, obviously that – that plays a role well and you also have to look at who you're recruiting against 
And in the case for Tennessee, I mean, look, look what yeah, those I, two yeah, programs are. That was going to be my that was going to be my next point, especially in Nashville. Kentucky's kind of doubling down on down Tennessee, our weak, our wounded Tennessee, and they're really going to try to take advantage mm-hmm. of that. We saw it with the Way Twins; that was a big recruiting win. So we'll see how they handle it. Um, another guy who was at the camp, Ethan Chris, was a linebacker um, out of the Nashville suburbs. John Summerall is his point man in his recruitment. Mm-hmm. Summerall hasn't really recruited Nashville as like the head guy for Kentucky, at least. So maybe, you know. But he has he, the chops to, you know, right. if you've yeah. got just a, a slide in to kind of go and make noise. Yeah. I know yeah, you I mean, spoke with Chris. Did, was there anything that really popped out besides his flowing locks? Because he has a wonderful head of blonde hair. Yeah, I, this this kid is 6'2", 195, but he, he's a hybrid player. Like, he could play – Will, he could play like that hybrid Sam position. He said he played some strong safety in high school. Um, he said he could play outside, inside, but he, Kentucky likes him off the ball, inside linebacker, which is Summerall's mm-hmm. position. And he fits the body type for those Will backers they've had a lot of success with. Mm-hmm. Real rangy, at, can move right, well. Jordan yeah. Jones and DeAndre Square the last two. And you can turn on the tape. He plays high motor. He's great. He's a really good tackler. Um, so he kind of fits what you want there. Um, and then he's got um, some offers from Vanderbilt, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Ole Miss. He's planning on visiting Ole Miss and Virginia later this month. Um, so cool. those are kind of, kind of some schools that that's kind of the competition level. I mean, he's looking like he's probably going to be like have a chance to be a high three star. And so that that was probably one of the better players at the camp. And he had his unofficial visit this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a guy we saw the coaching staff really talk, talk to him, his parents, Brad, both Brad White and Summerall spent a lot of time with him at the end of camp. I, I guess he was leaving um, Lexington. Yeah. And to, so you, you have Georgia and Tennessee as kind of your big areas. I think that you're still also going to have a few tertiaries. Uh, that's what I like to call them leftover beers after a few days, you know, you just got some stragglers laying behind, but there's going to be, I'm curious where and how many they can pluck from these tertiary areas because for a little while that was Michigan until they really got rock and roll. And it was like square was kind of a one-off. I think in his class, they might've had one other, but I think you're going to get some of that. And I'm curious there's three candidates as to what's going to be this next area. I don't know which one that they can hit the hardest because Collins has experience in South Florida and in the Carolinas. Stewart recruited in the Carolinas at App State. So you you would think that, okay, maybe there's something there. And then, you know, you've noticed too that Bufano, Buff's been in Missouri quite a bit. and Specifically Kansas City. Right. So I'm just wondering, there's going to be probably two players in this class that will come from one of those three spots. I just don't know – where how many chances they're going to take on or like you know if, if you're with Anmore Stewart's case the the Devontae Ross kind of kid like you could see it being some under the radar guy that they just really like yeah. that they kind of take a flyer on yeah Quentin Conley is a hybrid tight end in the class of 2022 it's Kentucky Nebraska he's out of Kansas City he's supposed to he's visiting this month at some point um, it might be next week or the week after that so yeah I mean they're 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 getting into like tertiary areas. I think that's a good word for it, but it's, ah, it, it might be a thing where it just rotates. Like it could be Carolinas. It could be the DMV. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be Florida. It could be Missouri. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see h- h- where they pull from. I think it's an important to remember that these classes are going to be smaller now. Yeah, that's true. With Maybe the portal. Like what, 18 to 20. I think, yeah. I think that's probably the honey hole, probably 16 to 20 given on, your, your scholarship count and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how many, you know, you want to pull from a, a portal in a certain class. So I think that's important to remember. And we'll see. I mean, like, obviously you would think like Ohio, maybe they would dig more into Ohio, um, but they're spreading their wings out so much that maybe they're, they don't want to get all truly invested into one area. Maybe that's good. Maybe they, have, maybe this is a really balanced staff recruiting wise. Um, with what Buffano and Amar Stewart are doing, I think that's promising. And then obviously, Merrill Merrill is you know he he's paid 
big time money because he's one of the better recruiters in the country. And then Summerall, mm-hmm. like we've talked about, has big time chops in the South recruiting wise. So, and then we'll see what Liam Cohen does as far as quarterbacks go. But yeah, I mean, Summerall's big time recruiting. Apparently, not a big golfer though. He uh, <laughs> saw him out at the scramble today. So th- this is how they had it. See, set he looks like that. That surprises me because he looks like a guy that would get out there and can drive it a long way. He said, "I got more country than country club." Yeah, <laughs> he's more 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 fishing pole than three wood. Yeah, well, but this was kind of cool how they had it set up. So th- this was the John Sharman Alumni Golf Scramble, and essentially, I think they had a few sponsors, but the assistant coaches anted up and pretty much covered the cost to have the scramble at Keen Trace, which is, you know, one of the nicest right. clubs That's in the where region. The, the Barbasol um, PGA well, event is there. Technically, it was at, it's at Champions Trace, which – Oh, okay. So, but, I can't know, keep up with the traces. Well, it's close neither, enough. neither could some of the media members because some of them went to the wrong clubhouse. <laughs> right, yeah. But how they had it set up – so all of the proceeds are going to go to a college scholarship fund for Sharman's kid, which is just – you know, of all the gestures you talk about, you know, that's what matters the most. That's going to make the, the biggest difference down the road. Uh, it's very cool for them to do this. And how they're doing it, it's a five-man scramble, which I had never heard of. It's you, you have a four-man team, and then you get, like, a celebrity shot. You get you get a fifth who, like, C.J. Conrad was one. Uh, you know, Summerall, Summerall was with uh, Charles Walker's group. So, uh and I was talking to Chuck's dad, and he's like, ah, we're just playing Charles Ball all day. He's hitting him down the fairway. So, And it's like, shit, I need to get him on my team. But, um, <laughs> no kidding. But there, it, it was a really good crew out there. Um, so, something I learned today that I didn't realize when we were talking with Leanne Sharman. So her father-in-law is Joe Vetterspiel, who I believe was an All-American at UK. I knew him as DeSales' great Joe Vetterspiel. We got his jersey up on the wall. He's one of a few – along with like Bubba Paris, one of the few old guys that was really great at the next level. So Joe Fetterspiel played nine seasons for the New Orleans Saints. Wayne and Young got drafted by the Saints on what would have been Sharman's 46th birthday. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool how that worked out. Um, Really great to see all the folks out there. And also just really great to see people in general because, I mean – Look, it, I ain't seen Darren Kennard in person in a long time. Holy – I mean, he – especially when he's wearing, like, golf swag, you're just like, this is – this human being is just a, a mammoth. And Austin Dotson, my God. Hell, I didn't – it's hard to recognize half the damn people on this team now. They all got different haircuts. They're bigger, faster, stronger. CJ Conrad's dropped, like, 25 pounds. He's like a string bean now. Like, the – just getting around some of these guys and seeing them, you're like, oh, I wow, I forgot about it. You know, you see JJ Weaver walking around, you're like, he's looking good. Just keep on the straight and narrow. So, uh, I've really enjoyed the last two days. And I, I, to go back to the coaches' coaching, really loved hearing Chris Collins just belting out. I mean, from all corners of the field, you could hear him. Yeah, he's got he, he's got some what they would call juice. <laughs> Um, you can hear him from one end of the field to the other. He brings some energy. I, I also like that he negotiated this job while having his first child. I don't mm-hmm. think he was in the hospital t- taking calls from Stoops while his wife was in labor, but they announced their son's birth uh, within days of Bruce Feldman reporting that it's going to be a done deal. So you want to talk <laughs> about a, a crazy time to get your first SEC coaching job, doing it while uh, – <laughs> doing it while having your, your firstborn pretty crazy um a few other just little things from the camp how f- messed up was it that kid just that injury right in front of us i mean yeah. we're not exaggerating like what could i i i'm from the south end i love to exaggerate but that kid we heard his achilles just pop three feet in front of us i mean I he heard- almost ran into us I heard it and I thought it was something else. Like I thought, like someone hit something, like a like a water cooler or, or something or dropped, dropped a pad or something. Right. Yeah. And then he comes up and you know says, "I, I broke my leg," and everybody because it was, there was like, casual. Like there was like, fifteen what? of us sitting there and we all heard it, but like no one really like. And then I was like, "Oh, he, well, he busted we, that Achilles." It, we were kind of just like, "Wait, 
that did that really happen? Because it didn't look like he landed that awkwardly. And he didn't even like the the adrenaline, the shock. Right. Was just like he was in shock. Yeah. I I broke, and then it took a while for like everything to sink in, and I felt really bad for him. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, awesome. speedy recovery because that just that stinks. That stinks being there. Um, I mean, one other person who slowed down, DeAndre Square, looking a little looking a little lighter on his feet. He he was one of those guys. Every year we would be able to do a transformation Tuesday post because. Not only did <laughs> not only did everybody or did he change his number every year, he would get like 15 pounds heavier. And I think last year he was at like 235, maybe. And now he's down to what 220? Yeah, he told us I believe he's down to like two two seventeen. Yeah. Um, and that I think that's where he that's where he feels most comfortable. He wants to play it this year. Yeah, and, and that's one of those things too that you know you wanna Yeah. You, you want to bulk up some to for stamina purposes, but there's a point where you're just weighing yourself down, you know? Yeah, the thing with um, with DeAndre, it's all about durability. Mm-hmm. Can he stay healthy for a whole season? That's been his biggest issue up to this point. So, um, yeah, dropping a little weight. Uh, let's see how, how he does. But, yeah, that's going to be important. And bringing up square, that linebacker depth is a big question mark. Mm-hmm. Perfect segue, Luckett. Perfect segue. And Jacquez Jones, um, who jumped in the portal um, less than a week ago. It was on Tuesday when he jumped in the portal. Ole Miss starting linebacker. Um, Through some of our investigative journalism, Mm -hmm. we have found out that he he planning on visiting – should be on Kentucky's campus at some point this week. Yeah, the the plans Tuesday through Thursday. And my read on the situation is that – South Carolina is all in on this guy. Yes. But Jones's rapport with Sumrall carries a lot of weight. I think playing for a potentially terrible team, I mean, he's he's been on bad defenses all this. So uh, And South I, Carolina's they're bad at inside linebacker. They need help there. Bad. Really, South Carolina, they've got a good defensive line, but after that, they've had a few questions. Um, so there's obviously a chance to play right away, and I, that it makes sense that South Carolina was on him from the jump. And I think in Kentucky's case, that they want to get him on campus to see if it's the right fit because they got. Even though depth is a problem, Trevin Wallace showed up six one two twenty with an eighty inch wingspan. Dude's going to be an absolute freak. Jared mm-hmm. Casey, four-star recruit that they're high on, but ideally he's playing in spots and he's just not out there for the entire well, game. I go back to when I asked – when I pushed some, I asked Summerall during the spring, just point blank, can he play Mike for you all? And he gave an answer and said, yes, he could, but we really don't want to throw too much at him. And I took that as he's feeling, he feels very comfortable right now at Will. Mm-hmm. He's a succession plan to DeAndre Square. Right. Just and they don't want to over overwhelm him. So they just want to keep him there. And then next year he's going to step into a starting role. But mm-hmm. for now, they just want to keep him as a solid backup will linebacker and square with a durability that you can that, mm-hmm. that's the valuable person you could have. And, um, and it's it's reminiscent of Cash Daniel, Courtney Love kind of deal, where yeah. like you need to have somebody solid who is is ready to step in when needed that can be reliable that can do well on special teams and i think in jones's case i they probably aren't even looking in the portal if Derek jackson doesn't get injured uh but now yeah n- sure. now it comes down to I, th- I think they like the what he can bring in in year one uh probably a little bit more of a plug and play than a guy like nick fulton who's you know still doesn't have Luke Fulton, near, yeah. near as much experience as Jones does, especially in this league. The The one thing that, that there will definitely be a, I don't want to say concern, but they're going to do their due diligence on is the boss man fat effect. Because as great as Kelvin Joseph was producing and as much as they're going to uh, pimp him out as the second round draft pick, there's also you, the right we, fit is thrown around a lot. Make sure he's right for us. Yes, and gonna fit in with your culture, right? Right, and I think that 
that's a nice way to say and make sure that he isn't a turd in a punch bowl. Mm -hmm. And they don't want a hired gun who's going to be here for a year to ruin potential progress elsewhere. Um, so I, I think that if it ultimately, if, if Jones checks all the boxes, that, hell, we could have a commitment by the time you're here. Saying, you know, he could leave Lexington with his jersey. Or, right. hell, he could never leave Lexington. He might just like, all right, let's move the stuff up. So uh, that's kind of what we're going to be keeping our eye, eyes on this week, keeping our ear low to the ground. Uh, before more visitors start rolling in uh, throughout the weekend. Yeah, he just – it feels like a fit. That's kind of what they need. Um, is a guy exactly what they need, I think. Um, and, and Summerall has – I mean, he coached him for a year. So, you know, he should know. I mean, he got a trial run. It's not right, like he was right. pulling this he, I mean, from Kentucky's not the only one, but you see a lot of these schools, they want to – like when you bring in a transfer, you want to know, kind of know what you're getting. So you have, need to have some type of relationship there. Um, and for Kentucky, all their transfers they've added. Will Levis knew Liam Cohen through whatever camp he was working up there in New England. Um, Trayvon Morgan, Justin, Justice Dingle, Wondell Robinson, all previous guys, Luke Fulton, all previous mm -hmm. guys Kentucky recruited. And then here, potentially Jacquez Jones, he – Summerall was his coach for a season. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have that established relationship, which I think is good. And Jones has played since his true freshman season. Like he's played a lot of football. He's logged right, a lot right. of snaps. So you, you know, you bring him in here and then like you feel a lot better. And then yeah, like the strength of Kentucky's defense this year is down the middle. Mm -hmm. It's Mark Juan at nose, it's square at linebacker, and then it's Yusuf Corker and Asian at safety. Right. Um Jones is a, a veteran piece you could throw in that you could feel comfortable with, I think. So it, 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 I think it enhances the biggest strength of your defense, which I think is a great thing. Um, so I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I, I would, I would, if I was a betting man, which sometimes I am, um, I would be willing to wager that he's probably going to be um, um, probably in school here or on campus here probably next week as a Kentucky Wildcat. Hmm. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it just—it just, it it just makes—it makes too much sense to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And with those Kelvin Joseph vibes, like, obviously he was coming in like I'm a one and done. I'm I'm elite kind of thing. Jones was like uh, he was just a three star recruit. Yeah. Yeah. Out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um. He's got he went in and just like hard work earned a spot and held a spot down there at Ole Miss. It seems like to me, it just re, just from where I sit, that it, it just made it made, it's an addition that makes sense. Yeah, perfect sense. Now, uh, speaking of things we heard, look at Mark Stoops. He wants none of my quarterback questions, but <laughs> I'm going to keep asking him. And even if I don't hear otherwise, I'm becoming more and more convinced that Will Levis is going to be our guy. So just, just uh, as much fun as we're going to talk about this quarterback competition, yeah, Will Levis. Um, Gonna be tough to beat. The, those freaking TikToks too. My God, that man, great marketing. I mean, you can just hear the ball. Bruce Feldman again on Saturday. I tweeted something out about him, showing a little clip of with his coach. Old Brucey. Oh, he's Old pumping Brucey. it up hard. But yeah, I mean, that's now nothing has changed. Now I think Gatewood came on strong in the spring, from what we've heard. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, I, I would expect Levis to be running out with the ones when Louisiana Monroe rolls into Lexington. When it's all said and done. Look at, I'm trying to rack my, my memory banks to see what we, what we have covered yeah. and what we haven't. Just covered. real quick. I did pull up Dane Brugler's draft guide from last year. Oh, okay. All, all the off ball one. linebackers. Um, when you say it's, it's 80 flat, his is um, wingspan. Only three players had a bigger wingspan. One was Zaven Collins, who's a first round pick of the Cardinals, who stood yep. at six four, um, nearly six foot five. Let's see here. The other one who had a uh, was Derek Barnes out of Purdue, who was six foot two, and then the other one was Ernest Jones out of South Carolina, who was six one two thirty. So like that's that's the type of you know that's where he is, um, athletic wise. That's what we've all heard all about. Um, and Trevor Wallace is another Bruce Feldman. He's going to be on Bruce Feldman's freak list. It might not be this year, but, that but he down will the be road, eventually. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's going to be on the freak list because of all the the track stuff and 
and the, the, the Paul Bunyan esque stories we've heard about his athleticism and then this wingspan on top of it. Um, he's going to be a guy that nationally a lot of people are going to talk about because of that that freakiness and seeing how they use him is one of the things I'm most fascinated by heading into the season. Um, how they utilize him, what positions, how often. Um, because he can, he can help the team right now. It's just yeah, finding a yeah. way, finding the right way um, for him to do that. Yeah, and it's also what really encourages me about Wallace. Aside from the obvious, just stupid. You know, I I, I, I spent the night with a, a buddy of mine, and you know, we're just talking shop, and I'm like, yeah, you know, he just had a casual 300 yard rushing yards in his last game. You know, like he he has a lot of his stupid stats and physical attributes. Right. But what really what really jumps out is how uh, cerebral he is. He knows the game of football well and has picked up the Kentucky defense quickly without ever stepping foot on campus. So that that's one thing that probably above all else um, has me not pumping the brakes on the hype machine because I'm confident that the coaches will be comfortable playing him in different scenarios and not, not feeling like that they're a little handicapped whenever they're calling plays and sets when he's in the game that, you know, they're, they're not worried like, Oh hell, we can't do this. Cause Trevin's in, I, I, I don't think that that will be the case. So He's a, he, he's an exciting prospect. We're gonna we're gonna be getting more and more from these guys throughout uh, th- throughout the summer. Getting updates. We got an update on Javon Bonite. He is suspended or has been suspended without play pay since his arrest in I guess that was April. So I I don't know exactly what that means for his future. Uh, you know if. If that's a punishment, a temporary punishment, or if that's one step towards a permanent solution into moving on uh, from him. If they did, my best guess, I, I don't know what they do. Maybe Cohen's guy that's a quality control, maybe they move him into that role. Yeah, Scott Woodward, his quality control coach, um, came over from Pittsburgh. He was working with the receivers during camp. So, I mean, that, that could be – uh, something just to keep your eyes on that that's not that's just us putting two and two together um, so if there is another coaching search I don't think it'll be that's the same kind of coaching search knowing stoops that's something we won't find out about until media day um, Kentucky football media day in August when they yeah. open camp yeah like, it's like oh eat. where's Javon Bonite oh yeah he's gone <laughs> you know yeah. but uh, uh, this weekend Nick is a weekend with some um, very important visits coming up all right, I, I have not – it's one of those things like it It was kind of a tomorrow. You, you ever have that? It's like, oh, well, I'll figure that out tomorrow. Yeah. That was what I was – it's been it's been a little crazy. I've been going yeah. to basketball camp, so <laughs> uh, lay down some, some visits for me. Uh, yeah, before. just – I mean, all this stuff is fluid, obviously. Right, um, right But for right. my spreadsheet right now, um, what we have, we have Emil Wagner supposed to be in Lexington this weekend, uh, a week following a trip up to Ohio State. Yep. He just posted um, J- some pictures from there. Jason Essex is a rec- one of the guys Buffano's after in Kansas City, receiver, mid three star recruit. Um, Tyrese uh, Fearbury, who went to Pittsburgh this last weekend, is from Pittsburgh, he's an edge rusher, a four four star prospect. Steve Wiltfong and some other guys threw a crystal ball to Pitt over hmm. the weekend on him. Um, so Kentucky gets him on campus, and then he has a couple more stops. So if they're going to make a push for him at all, it has to happen um, this weekend, and. DeArco Perkins McAllister or Mc. Ooh, that's a lot right there. He is a he's a fast riser. Um, a lot of schools in SEC are in on him. He's supposed to be on campus here on June 11th. He's out of Nashville, um, like we talked about that Nashville area. Who's going to kind of take over recruitment? Um, so that's a big one. And then Quentin Conley, another guy from Kansas City that hybrid tight end I spoke about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy I think the staff really likes, and I think they're going to push pretty hard to get him here soon. So those those are four guys. So it's a it's a big uh, um, visit weekend, on top of what should be a pretty um, a pretty intense camp, I would think. So just four four important names uh, to keep an eye on um, this weekend as things progress. Nice, nice. That's a good solid uh, good solid start. I'm pretty confident they're going to 
have even more uh, by the time we get closer to the weekend. Yeah, it's, right? all, it's all fluid. Yeah. All this stuff can yeah. change on a daily basis or hourly basis. Sometimes. Especially with, with unofficials too, because, you know, you just might, the, the, the crew in the van might be wanting to go somewhere else, <laughs> you know? So it kind of, it could change at the drop of a hat, but we'll be back there next Sunday. And this time we're not going to, we're not dilly dallying around. We're just going to throw on the mics. I actually, I'm looking at the podcast equipment. We've been, doing our podcast differently for the last 18 months but i think we might have to do the old school headset way next sunday so we also got a treat at uh, ks bar uh, you left right when chad ochocinco got into the ring that was uh that was actually a pretty decent fight he landed some good punches and then got rocked and then i don't know if you stayed up late for that soccer game but luck it that that was the most batshit crazy sporting event i've ever seen in my life they us mexico they had to stop the game at one time because mexican fans were chaining homophobic slurs never seen a game stopped by fans and they so they stopped it for that but then 20 minutes later they wouldn't stop it when they were just throwing stuff at players not like just popcorn like the nba literally drilling dudes in the head with bottles to where one american had to get taken to the locker room to get treatment soccer fans or something else man it it was insane and then they go into overtime so there was it was it was crazy the u.s gives up a late goal but then they somehow get an equalizer in like the 87th minute or something nuts so they're going to overtime and then a dude just runs onto the set of the the cbs uh, you know intermission kind of like uh, deal and it's like wait what happened i completely forgot about it because it was like the 20th craziest thing that happened during that game yeah. so the i'm not a time. big football guy but my god that was just pure insanity for all that to happen, and then a backup goalie blocks a PK in like the 120th minute to secure a win. Last World Cup was going on. We Taylor and I got married, and then we were in uh, first week of July was our honeymoon. So that's right when the World Cup was going on. Mm-hmm. And so we're at we're a secret resort in Mexico, and they they're all just like all the workers are just like whatever Mexico was playing. They're all just in there. They had like a little sports bar, and it was just packed, and they were just going crazy. So what's um, funny, Luckett, is I'm pretty sure that I, I've been to that Secrets Resort. I've been to a ah, Secrets Resort in Mexico. There's a lot of them. But I think we actually got married on the same day, right? You're June 30th. Is that right? 29th. 29th. You got married Friday. You got married Saturday. Yeah. So same with us where we would go to the sports bar to watch the games, except we always showed up, you know, five minutes before kickoff, and it's just packed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> with – uh, we were in the Dominican, where it's a little more international, and mm-hmm. so there was a bunch of Belgium fans, a bunch of French fans, and uh, also the English fans. They were a great, sad bunch to be around because they thought they were back. They were singing, football's coming home, and then they just <laughs> gave up like three goals, and to see just the sadness. Like, I was just trying to blend in as much as possible and just kind of sink against the wall and soak it all in because man if you think college football fans are crazy yeah yeah <laughs> you ain't seen nothing buddy yeah well, it's, it's different it's just that's their passion man you gotta love it and then the world cup it all comes together yeah it was just it was a great sports weekend overall we got a nice little treat by hearing some whistles blowing on the football field afterwards I, I i enjoyed it we didn't get as many juicy nuggets but there's going to be plenty more to come that's what was nice like it this really did feel like a uh I think I mentioned it after the Derby where it was like, oh, so now this is – we're back to normal. That's what it felt like after the Derby. But it's kind of come in like you, you get these different moments where you're like, okay, now we're back in this aspect and then this one. And just to have in-person interviews, you know, I talk, like talking to Keon Brooks on Saturday. There's one – that dude, he was so tired of sitting in Zooms with us and just talking about that terrible nine-win season – that it was nice to see him like kind of smiling and just t- speaking with us like we're humans and not just right. like I got to answer these same dumbass questions all over again, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, there really is a sense of kind of uh, not not refreshment, but there's a weight has been lifted off the shoulders over at the UK athletic department because on top of COVID. I mean, just completely unrelated to COVID. There was one unspeakable tragedy after another. Year, I mean, it, every month you had Cohen Brown, the golfer, die of cancer. You have 
John Schwarman, Ben Jordan, Terrence Clark. And it was all, I mean, it was spread throughout the athletic program to where it, it felt like nobody over there could really buy a break. They're writing obituaries. I mean, just the emotional toll that last year took on UK athletics. For them to be fifth in the Director's Cup, to have success through all this, to stay relatively COVID-free without any crazy outbreaks, and to keep, you know, holding on, holding on to that rope, I mean, it is, it's remarkable. And you can really tell just by talking to a lot of these guys right now that there is a sense of energy, a sense of renewal, a sense that they're starting anew and that this fresh start is exactly what everybody at UK Athletics needs right now. We are turning a page in 2021 and it's all going to be for the better. Yeah, it's, it's the season's quickly approaching. And, and yeah, it was a rough year for Kentucky Athletic Department for a multitude of reasons. Um, and not a lot of them weren't even due to the on-field stuff, uh, which a lot of teams had some rough seasons. So, yeah, I think as a whole, everybody's ready to move forward and just getting back to a sense of normalcy, um, putting um, names to faces, yes, all that stuff. Um, it's, it's good. And I'm excited to get back out there again this Sunday. Uh, and, what should uh, be another fun um, afternoon of football. And talk actual sports instead of sitting on here and like, oh, will they come back, COVID restriction, like, yes. all that stuff sucked. It was not fun. We were happy to do it for you folks, but it was a trudge. Now we get to talk about win totals. And what, what, what did they have for conference wins at South Point? Yeah, South Point, one of the more popular Vegas books, opened up conference win totals on Saturday. Kentucky at four and a half. Ooh, okay, so let's, uh, the let's juice count them is out. even on both sides, minus one ten. And then, right. okay, just well, yeah, we can count them out, but just um, like Kentucky's going to win their three non-conference games outside Louisville, so that gets you to seven and a half. And then, just depending on the Louisville, you know, you're looking at a total of seven and a half, eight, I think, when the Big Vegas books releases them. Right, right, because the DraftKings one, that's. The thing that I at least liked about those DraftKings numbers, we can play them. A lot of the official books are in person only. Yeah, you go and get the ticket, and that's just the case with South Point. But but now with Caesars, we can go. You can go across the bridge to Indiana, Louisville natives. Oh, nice. That's a Caesars book. So whenever they release theirs, I'm pretty sure it's a Caesars book. Um, mm-hmm. you, you should be able to play it um, there. So four and a half, South Carolina Vanderbilt. And then I guess you they had they had Mississippi State, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, um, all under three. That was their total. Two and a half, two, and then I think Vandy was one. See, so let's just let's consider the two bad road teams. Let's 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 chalk those up as wins. Okay. The Missouri game is a big one. I I, I think if you hit the Missouri game, then you can get to five. Yeah. Because with Tennessee and Mississippi State, you could very well see the wheels spinning by that point in the season. It's later on. I know, at least in my mind, I get a little apprehensive of each because how many times are have we been snake bit by Tennessee? But mm-hmm. they, they, they could just have thrown in the towel at that point in the year. And who the hell knows what the Pirates going to roll out there next year? <laughs> you know, right. like I, that's predicting that is, is very tough. So, but I mean, that's that's what it comes down to: is how confident are you that Kentucky can secure wins against those teams that typically beat you when, even when you think you have better talent? Right, right. Um, or I'm getting to the point, Nick, where I'm I need to figure out the math what it's going to take for Kentucky to get to the Las Vegas Bowl. <laughs> I think I've decided that's where I want to go. That's where I want the bowl trip to be. Let's go to Vegas. Well, New Orleans first, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was telling my wife, Vegas. we haven't it's been over a year since I've been to Vegas. I, I need to get back. So let's figure out a way to get to get out there for I, that. I have a friend who's tentatively planning a bachelor party for Vegas in January. I need him to be able to be fluid in case the Vegas bowl is happening. Because yeah, I believe the Vegas bowl is like on December twenty eighth. It's oh, it's it's later like than normal. They move it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's used to be, be a- that like first weekend. It was pretty early. It was like December fourteenth, or you know, right? It was, it's not it was that big Saturday. Well, see what took they're they're moving. 
uh, they're having an LA bowl that's going to take that's place. So that's mm. still going to be a game between the Mountain West and Pac-12. So far, yeah, that makes but sense. But it's going to be the, the LA Bowl. And I guess you get the SEC teams every once in a while. It makes sense to prioritize that later on in the bowl season schedule. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, that, that's what that's what they're doing. It's going to they'd be there like the 28th, 29th, something like that. And we need to we need to get out there. <laughs> oh man. Oh, uh, eleven personnel of. Uh, the new bosses, they'll they'll cut our checks, right? Get us <laughs> December thirtieth, twenty twenty one. Does it does it seven thirty p seven thirty p.m. local kickoff? So back here in Kentucky, they'd be oh, kicking off at ten thirty. KS Bar Jesus. would be a wreck. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> do we? Do you think we'll get a uh, stipend? Maybe we can get uh, a, a bookmaker to sponsor the podcast, and we can just set up shop there. They can give us. $200 to play around with. We share our picks, and then we get rich. We can just kick it at Treasure Island there for an afternoon podcast and then go hit, hit the craps tables. Oh, man. It sounds like a blast. Well, this, this has been fun, Luckett. We're we're slowly getting back to, to the goods. We're, we're seeing action in person. We're seeing flowing mullets on the football field, darts being delivered, uh, dudes getting ran over in the trenches, so – we're, we're, we're almost there. Football is back. Not all the way, but we're going to have fun in, in June. So this is the, And then once we get through the, this camp recruiting season, about end of June, then it'll all be – then we'll all get focused in on media days after that. We'll have a few. Love it. Or Stoops will have a luncheon or two. Um, people might get upset if he skips the Governor's Cup luncheon again. Oh, that's just been canceled. They just got rid of the <laughs> they cancel it? luncheon. Yeah, but, but we still get the kickoff luncheon where they're yeah. going to cater some nice stuffed chicken. It's always stuffed chicken or chicken coron bleu. One of the two with roasted green beans, which I'm not complaining, but I just yeah. – they, they, great caterers think alike, you know. Mm-hmm. They do. <laughs> they do. So then it's, then it's really ta- – that's, that's the peak of talking season, and it all comes to a head down there in Hoover, which, Nick, by the way, will be – Adam Luckett's birthday will be going on in Hoover. Oh snap! Is it? So, uh, you just you just get oh, ready. Oh man, that's going to be a big night for the Bud Lights. We might have to. Oh man, that's going to be a ball. Do, do we know which day? It's the twenty first. I think it's Wednesday, the twenty first. Is and that's after Stoops? I think Stoops, Stoops talks Tuesday. on Tuesday. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! We get Saban. Saban Saban Day. Yeah. Oh. We're gonna have man, that's gonna be a, a wild night on the KSR Instagram story. I tell you, yes, what. yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I think so too. All right, well, we're gonna get out of here. We will throw on the headsets next Sunday night to have this powered out for you a little bit earlier, but wanted to hear from Mark Stoops this time around. But as always, we appreciate you all for downloading, subscribing, rate, and reviewing 11 personnel. Until next week, remember go cats and go Kroger. <laughs> <laughs>